Welcome to Heavily Meditated, a podcast celebrating human potential. Meditations, interviews, tools, trainings, and more designed to take you higher. Let's raise the collective consciousness together. This episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast is brought to you by The Ultimate Up Level. This is our results-based intensive mentorship for driven entrepreneurs ready for the ultimate up level that goes directly into your subconscious mind, removes limiting programming holding you back, and recalibrates your entire being for unlimited success. This is our 12-week one-on-one intensive mentorship with expert-level training from master mindset coaches, advanced-level meditation instruction, rapid transformational therapy, curated high-touch support, loving but firm accountability, and a once-in-a-lifetime luxury VIP experience. You'll even receive a custom meditation package in the mail designed just for you to help take your meditations to an entirely new level. If you're a motivated and driven entrepreneur ready to reach your highest levels of success and joy, or even if you're a new-to-the-game entrepreneur who wants to build a strong foundation to grow from, maybe you're a successful entrepreneur facing anxiety, stress, and the future of burnout after building your own business and empire, or maybe you're someone who knows you desire and deserve more from life, but are just unsure how to get it, and if you're desperate to begin living the life you know you were meant for, then this program is for you. This is not a group coaching program and it's not a self-study. It goes way beyond traditional therapy and it goes beyond the typical one-on-one experience. The ultimate up level is more transformative than that. It's designed for you to become more intimate with yourself. It's you taking the time to press pause on your life as you know it, as you know yourself, so you can go deeper and further than you ever have been into your own psyche, into what makes you, you, and what you are ready to change about yourself to get what you really, really want out of your one precious life. This is the real work, and it's the work very few are willing to take on. But speaking from our own experience and our clients, it's the most rewarding work of all, and we're going to make it effortless and easy. It's the work that will allow you to live an extraordinary life, a life that most only dream of, a life that you are truly, unequivocally in love with, a life where you are deeply happy, loved, fulfilled and at peace, a life of freedom. If you're ready to make the commitment to doing the work and up-leveling every area of your life, then please hop on over to the website right now. Check out the ultimate up-level. You can sign up there, learn all the details, and if you have any questions, we're here to help. Wishing you so much love, and we can't wait for you to begin this journey for your ultimate up-level. Hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you very soon. I'm going to introduce you and then okay, I'm, cool. going to, I'm going to give you the mic and everybody gets to learn exactly <laughs> oh, okay. the amazingness that is Sarah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'm ready when you are. All right. Let's get started. Well, welcome everybody to this episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. I am Scott Roberts, your host and the co-founder of the podcast with my amazing, inspirational, motivational, fantastic wife, Emily Somerset. Um, and for those of you that have been listening to the podcast for any period of time, you know that we love these expert interview series that we offer here. And the person that we've got on the show today is a, a close friend and also just somebody who is absolutely amazing. And, you know, we're so excited we get to 
share her with the world one more time. We had Sarah Bird on the show uh, almost a year ago exactly. I can't remember the exact date, but it was pretty close. And it also makes me realize that we probably need to start numbering our episodes. But anyway... (laughs) That being said, Sarah was on the show before, and we're so excited to have her back. Um, Since we had Sarah on the show last time, uh, she actually went through our Ultimate Up Level mentorship, and we've seen this incredible growth and up-leveling and everything that she's doing, and, and now she is offering something that I feel like is one of the most powerful things for people to be able to learn how to really become connected to their true sense of confidence, like authentic confidence. And that's why it's called the art of authentic confidence. And that's why we're super excited to have Sarah on the show today. It's an absolute honor and a privilege to have her here. So thank you, Sarah, for being here. And just one thing I, you know, obviously we've had you on before, so I won't have you go through the whole tell us your life story, start at birth and move to today. But the one thing I will do is just kind of get into the art of authentic confidence, talk about the work you've been doing with that, and just talk about kind of, you know, what it means to you for a woman, especially, to be authentically confident and how people can learn from you, how they can bring more of that into their lives. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much, Scott. What a wonderful introduction. And yes, I am so glad to be back on the show. The last time we did this, can't believe it's been a year already. Um, And what a year it has been because we got to work together and you're in Emily's program, Ultimate Up Level. Um, So thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be back. And uh, yeah, the art of authentic confidence. That is after doing my work with y'all in the the 12-week Uh, program that I did with you guys, Ultimate Up Level. Go check it out if you listeners have not yet. Um, That was kind of the like birthing phase of this whole new version of my business. And, you know, I've had a coaching business since 2000, spring of 2016. So it's like, what, six and a half years now, five and a half years. And this is the first time that I have really felt like, okay, now what I'm teaching on is so in alignment with my personal divine purpose. Like my divine purpose I have gotten so clear about is guiding women on their psycho-spiritual journey to come to a place of awakening. And what that awakening looks like, it is a spiritual awakening. It is an awakening to the power that they hold within themselves. It's an awakening to how wonderful their relationships can be, their friendships, the people they have in in their life. Um, You and Emily are an example of that for me how wonderful our friendship has been and working with you guys has been. And it also is an awakening to their potential. And so what that looks like in all of those four areas is having this really secure sense of this is who I am. This is how I'm meant to show up in the world. This is what I'm meant to do and getting like kind of cutting through in Buddhism, my background's in um, Indo-Tibetan Buddhism. If you've listened to the other show, you'll hear my life story from birth until now. And that's a big part of it. Um, but in Buddhism, we have this concept called discursiveness. And essentially what it is, is being confused about our own true nature, being lost, being confused. And this does happen where you're moving through life and you feel like life is happening to you. You're just kind of moving through the motions or even reacting 
to what's come up for you rather than setting a very clear intention, having purpose, knowing what your divine purpose is. I fully believe that every person in this world, every woman, every man, everybody it has a very specific, clear divine purpose. And what this process does in the art of authentic confidence is going through all of these different areas and cleaning up the distraction of engaging in discursiveness, engaging in confusion. When you've got relationships that are challenging um, or you feel like you're just you know, struggling to get by, maybe you're a business owner, maybe you're working a nine to five, but you're just kind of like, if I can just get through this next month, if I can just get through this next week, or, you know, if I can just get through this next recital of my kid and this, you know, this next semester of all the kids' extracurricular activities, all of that feels like you're just barely staying afloat. And this process, my signature process in the art of authentic confidence, um, the program that I've lined out helps you reorient everything in your life back to you, back to your core center, back to who you are at your most awakened self. So that when challenges come up, which they inevitably do, uh, you know, we all have challenges at work, whether it's, you know, you're a, a business owner and have to navigate a new situation you've never navigated or figure out a tech thing you've never had to deal with before, or whether you're working in a job and, you know, you've got something come up, a new project, whether it's dynamics at home, whether it's self-doubt, you know, these kind of internal challenges that we face. Um, questioning whether you were meant for this or you're good enough or you're capable enough. All of those challenges no longer seem really intimidating. They no longer seem so um, devastating, like, or overwhelming. When you're confident in who you are, you're so empowered that you can move through any situation. You can navigate any, anything that comes up, um, with ease and effortlessness. I know you guys teach a lot on that. Like things just get to be easy. So it's a real sense of being grounded. And then once you kind of handle the flow of life and make that really easy, your attention, your energy, your intention, your mental space, your physical, you know, energy, all of that is freed up to then focus on what you really want to do in life. It's free. You all of a sudden have a lot more energy and time and focus and attention. And that is now available for you to put into where you want to go, what you want to do, the experience you want to create, where you want to, you know, where you want to live, what you want to do, where your kids should go to school, whatever it is. And so that's where you become free. You create this internal freedom and this external freedom. And that allows you to live a bold life that you feel really good doing. And I know you guys teach this too. Not only does it get to be easy, it gets to be enjoyable. I call it the three E's, easy, effortless, and enjoyable. And it's like life gets to start being fun. You're no longer just caught up in the routine of life. You don't don't have to just like um, spend all your time and attention dealing with problems, putting out fires. You get to go out and experience the world and do the fun things that you want to do. So that's kind of the overview of Art of Authentic Confidence. And it really, um, it really kind of got established by this idea that when you're empowered, 
not only are you confident to go out in the world, you're confident in who you are, you're confident in your relationships, you're so deeply connected with spirit and spirituality, whatever that looks like for you is really prevalent in your life. So you're confident in your trust in the universe, your trust in spirit. Um, but there's this real authenticity to it. And that's, that's the difference between an insecure confidence, which is where you feel like you have to fake it till you make it. Right. And this is where people get caught up in imposter syndrome. I know you've got a whole spiel on imposter syndrome, so feel free to jump in. Um, but I think your take on it is that nobody is a fake because we're all just who we are. You can't be a fake because um, we all have that power within us. But we lose sight of that and we do get self-doubt coming in and we do have our own insecurities. And so what people will do is they will mask their insecurities with this false confidence. That's where people start saying the classic lines of like, oh, if people find out who I really am, they're going to find me out. And then I'm not going to be, you know, I don't really have what it takes to be successful. And I know even people who are high achievers, high successful people, um, you know, millionaires, billionaires out there, CEOs of large companies, whatever, even people in those roles have those insecurities that come up. So it's not unnatural, but what you can do is you can, this is where mindfulness comes in and meditation. I know this is the heavily meditated podcast, um, which I'm definitely meditated up in my life. I do it every morning. Uh, but this is where mindfulness can come in. And instead of saying, okay, I have to hide that part of me, which only puts it in your shadow. It, it's associating that feeling of I'm not good enough to have what it takes, self-doubt, insecurities. It attaches those beliefs with the feeling of shame. And shame is one of those emotions that as humans, we will do anything to avoid. Shame is like a huge motivating factor in a lot of people's behavior and decisions. And as a result, people will have this like facade of confidence, like this fake confidence. And when you are able to embrace all of yourself, every aspect of who you are, you can start to incorporate mindfulness and meditation and look at those parts of you that do feel unworthy, do feel insecure. Those are natural feelings that everybody has. Even the highest achievers in the world all have feelings of insecurity and self-doubt that come up. But instead of pushing them away, associating those beliefs with shame and, you know, then creating this false persona, you can welcome them into your uh, psyche, to your presence, to your awareness. And that's what meditation is all about, is observing the parts of yourself without judgment, yeah. really observing them, getting curious about them, really just taking like an investigative curiosity approach and just saying, oh, what is this about? Is this really true? Do I really have reason to doubt myself? Do I really have reason to believe I'm unworthy? Am I really less than other people? Do I really not have what it takes? Is that true? And if you do enough investigating, if, if you get still enough, like I said, disengaging from those distractions in life and bring your attention inward and hold a space, hold a presence, bear witness to those difficult insecure emotions. And instead of judging them, love that part of yourself and not saying I want to enhance those feelings, but saying, okay, I'm going to be really gentle around this with myself. Instead of going towards my regular response of being self-critical, 
creating a new response of saying, okay, I'm going to really nurture this part of myself that is feeling insecure and go out and find the things that boost that confidence, boost that security, boost that sense of feeling good. And I've got a whole list of techniques that can help with that, as I'm sure you guys do too. Um, And so then you can shift into a real authentic confidence. That's the big difference. Inauthentic confidence is trying to hide your insecurities which is really a form of rejecting yourself. Mm-hmm. It's really a form of like pushing this, saying this part of me is not okay. And so I'm going to reject it and push it away and hide it. And so I've got to create this facade. I have to be what other people are expecting me to be. I have to have the perfect body, the perfect look, the perfect wardrobe, the perfect, even like uh, uh, producing films for, you know, whatever, if if you're a business owner and you're using social media content, you probably create videos, create podcasts, whatever it is, it all has to be picture perfect. Um, But that's only- Listen to this one knows that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we like to have fun. Love the imperfections. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so that's where, you know, this is a good example. I'm a good example of this. You're a good example of this. Emily's a good example of this. The show is a great example of how When you can soften and instead of rejecting those parts of yourself, but welcome in and embrace those parts of yourself, then you don't have as much pressure to be perfect and you can relax. That's when you get to have fun. That's when you just get to say, this is authentically me, imperfections and all. And that authentic confidence is where it's like, okay, if I'm not having to hide this part of myself or be perfect and make sure that you know, this insecurity never gets disturbed. This part of me never gets triggered because I don't know how to handle it without hating myself, without rejecting myself. If you're not having to protect it so much and you can trust in your ability to confront any challenge that comes up, anything that might poke at your deepest insecurities. Um, Just a quick story. You guys were working with me at this time, but I used to host a podcast um, called Charming Dharma. It's still available on Spotify and it's not available on iTunes. And I'll tell you why I, when you and you, we were working together uh, in during this happened during the art of, I'm sorry, during the ultimate up level program when I was in it. And I discovered these reviews that a couple, couple people had left on my podcast and it's an old show. It's been around for a long time. I haven't put out a new episode in, I don't know, four years or something. So I didn't think anybody was listening to it. And I go and I find these reviews. I'm sure you remember this. Um, And they were really mean. They were like hate reviews. I can't believe I'm sharing this because I was so hurt by them. But they were like, oh, Sarah's so terrible. Here's all the reasons why. She's such a fraud. One of them started with, I had the displeasure of working with Sarah. Like really, really mean. And they just went on and on. They were lengthy Um, and, you know, pushed every button on my insecurities. It was like they stuck the knife into the right spots and turned them. Um, So anyway, it was really hurtful. But I had gotten to a place through meditation, through mindfulness, through the signature process that I've created and my experiences in that. I had gotten to a place where... Yeah, it's not that it didn't hurt. It's not that I'm saying I'm invincible and I can't be hurt emotionally or I'm not vulnerable or I'm not, uh, don't have insecurities. It's that when those insecurities came up and boy, did they, because those were some mean reviews, like viciously mean, 
I literally screenshotted them because they were so, so mean and cruel that I'm like, I need to memorialize this. <laughs> um, but when that came up, yeah, it hurt. You probably remember me working through this. Yeah, it was painful, but it didn't destroy my sense of self and it didn't undermine my confidence because I had such a grounded sense of self that even when my deepest insecurities came forth, I was still able to say, ouch, that hurts. I'm welcoming in the part of me that feels really hurt by that, understandably so. Um, and, and I know that I'm not going to let it shut me down. I'm not going to let it stop me from sharing my message with the world. I'm not going to completely shut down my business. I'm not going to avoid other people. I'm not going to not shine my light. I'm not going to hide who I am. And I was only able to do that because I had this authentic version of confidence coming from me. If I had been in my inauthentic confidence, like I have to hide these parts of myself in my shadow, I have to hide this negative view of myself away and hope nobody discovers it. Well, when they were like pointing out every flaw in the history of humanity that I had, then I would have felt like, oh no, they found me out. Oh no, they're seeing the parts of me that I was trying so hard to hide away. And now I feel completely ungrounded. Now I feel completely like I am a fraud and I should just go jump off a bridge, you know, and I'm not a benefit to the world. That's how I would have responded to that. Yeah. But because I was so grounded in my authentic confidence, it means that it doesn't doesn't mean that insecurities won't come up. Doesn't mean that you don't feel self-doubt sometimes. It means that you can come back to your center of gravity, which is knowing your deeply knowing your worth, deeply knowing your connection with spirit and your inner divinity that we all have. I truly believe we all have this inner divine light. In Buddhism, we call it basic goodness. And alongside my old podcast, I used to host this, I mean, produce this magazine called Basic Goodness Magazine. Mm -hmm. And every article, everything, the whole magazine was all about connecting with that inner divine light. Mm -hmm. So when those insecurities do arise, whether it be through nasty podcast reviews or something slightly less uh, vicious and overt, you can always come back to your grounded sense of self. That's what it means to be authentically confident. Yeah. I love that. Well, there's so much we got to get into with that. I'm so first off, I remember when Emily and I got our first hater. It was it was such a fantastic moment because I finally felt like we had made it. You know, <laughs> that's how you know that you've made it when people yeah. start hating on you. No, yeah. but uh, you know, I think that's I think you know what you said is is so important for people to hear because it is if you're if you're connected with your authentic self, if you're connected with your true confidence, then seeing those type of things will shake you and rattle you because they're hurtful and they're mean and they do bring up the insecurities that we all have sure. but the difference is that you don't dwell on that you don't look at that as well this is validation and proof that i'm as terrible as i think i am and that then you go on a spiral and and you know end up just hating yourself and all that so instead when you can connect with that space of yourself that's I recognize these parts of me that are not perfect, but I know that I'm working on them and I know that I'm being the best version of me at all times, then that's the space that you can come from and not have the knee jerk reaction to take to the internet and start yeah. you know, 
bashing these people back and stuff. But, you know, there was so much of that that, like, you know, so thinking, like, you know, the work that you're doing with the art of authentic confidence. And I know Emily and I have talked about it before that, you know, we see ourselves as just facilitators, right? I mean, we think that everybody is born just with incredible, limitless potential to be, do, and have anything that they want. Oh, and amen. so I know that's a, a huge part of what you're doing with the art of, art of authentic confidence is that you're, you're helping people realize that they already are so powerful and they're capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for. So when they learn how to tap into that, that's where all the magic happens. Oh yeah, it's so good. Well, in the the my whole philosophy, and I I likely will always stand by this, um, is that you know your external experience is a direct reflection of your internal experience. Yeah. That what you uh, the phrase I like to use is thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. Thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. That's an old unity phrase for people who are familiar with the uh, unity spiritual path. Anyway, the idea is that what you're embodying internally, whether you're conscious of it or not, because your subconscious mind, this is Emily's whole thing on RTT, who's an amazing RTT practitioner. Um, but it's like whatever you're holding subconsciously in your mind is going to create your reality. That's going to guide your beliefs, your actions, your perceptions, how you're receiving what's happening in your world around you, what you're creating in your world around you. And so the whole process of Art of Authentic Confidence is getting right internally. And then you start to see your external environment reflect that. So the first stage of Art of Authentic Confidence, the first core pillar, there's four core pillars, is spirituality. And this is like really getting in touch with that inner potential that you're talking about, that we all are born innately with this incredible power that's as humans, we are manifestors. That is the, the aspect of our nature that we all have in common. We are all manifesting reality, whether it's our reality or, you know, whatever, this building that I'm living in, this, you know, desk under my hands, like everything in our reality is created by me and created by other people. And, you know, we wouldn't be here today in this part of society if somebody hadn't invented the wheel all those millennia ago, right? We, everybody's contributing to our common collective reality. And so as manifestors, as people who innately have all this power, you've got to get in touch with that. You have to access that. And what happens is we're taught through childhood, through society, whatever, to turn away from it. You know, we're taught, and I, I'm obviously a, a firm believer in science. I'm, you know, have a critically thinking mind here. Um, but there's so much more underneath that as well. Like we've got, science is finally catching up with what the mystics and the Buddhists and the shamans have been saying for centuries um, about kind of the nature of reality. And so this magic that happens, this, these synchronicities, these alignments, the messages from the angels, whatever it is, whatever your version of spirituality is, really tapping into that and getting access to it creates the foundation for every other core pillar. And that's because when you're in touch with your own inner divinity, it gives you a different perspective on things. It gives you a different relationship with yourself, with others, with your potential. And so it starts there. Your like deepest core of your being is 
a spiritual being. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I believe that we existed as little spirits, whatever that looked like before we came into this body, we incarnated into this body and we're going to live on after we leave this body. And so getting in touch with that will be the basic foundation of everything. The second core pillar is also this internal process. And this is the core pillar of psychology. So we start with spirituality, then we move to psychology, which is getting clean, like cleaning up your relationship with yourself. It's psychology is studying the psyche. So getting to know your conscious mind, getting to know your subconscious mind, um, reestablishing your sense of self-worth. What does your relationship with yourself look like? Do you believe you're unworthy? Can, do you believe you can't trust yourself? Or do you want to build up that sense of worthiness, re-anchor into your self-trust? Um, on and on and on, right? So re- your relationship with yourself. Yeah. The core of your being is this inner deep spiritual person, spiritual being. And so first we start there. Then it's like, okay, who am I as this personality? Who I, as a Buddhist, I believe in reincarnation. So I always say like, this is my one precious life. That might seem to contradict the understanding of reincarnation. Cause I do think that I'm going to come back and I've been here before, but this is my one chance as Sarah bird. This is my one precious life as Sarah bird. Yeah. So that's the inner process getting really right, getting in alignment in all of these different areas with your inner state of being, your spirituality and your psychology. Then the second half of the the program and the process are the two core pillars related to your external life. And this is what you're talking about. This is where that magic happens. We get to have a lot of fun. So the third core pillar is sovereignty, which is your relationship with others, your relationships with other people. And what does it look like to be empowered in your relationships with others. And oftentimes people come from family units, your family of origin. And especially as children, we feel disempowered through all of our different life experiences. Maybe your role in your family was one where you were disempowered. Maybe you were thought less of as a person just because you were a child and you had less years of experience and you were in a small little body. Um, you know, our society kind of doesn't see children as full autonomous beings yet. And there are certainly developmental stages that's important to be cared for, but it's easy to establish your identity and who you are in your relation with others based on feeling disempowered. So especially as women, it's really, really important to reclaim what it means to be empowered not just in society as a whole, but in your personal relationships. What does it look like to show up to your job and feel empowered? What does it look like to have friendships where you don't feel like you have to walk on eggshells all the time, or you're worried about what you're going to say to them because you think you're going to upset them and then there'll be tension in the friendship. And so you betray part of yourself. Or what does it look like to... When, it, when somebody invites you to do something and you really don't want to participate, whether it's work on a project or go out for the evening, whatever it is, but you say yes just to keep the peace, that's a form of self-betrayal. So what would it look like to be empowered, not come back and be like, listen, I didn't even like you in the first place, so I'm not going to go out with you. You know, you don't have to be mean. Right. Um, but what does it look like to have boundaries, to be able to say no when it's really a no and say yes when it's really a yes and not betray yourself? What does it look like to be empowered in all of your external relationships? 
this is something that you guys helped me with. Um, I'm going to do some cross promotion. Obviously I want people to check out my art of authentic confidence program, but we worked through this really thoroughly in the ultimate up level uh, program as well, where I was taking a deep dive look at all of my relationships. And there were some people in my inner circle, people who were close friends of mine, or even somebody I'd been in a, a romantic relationship with my ex-boyfriend um, and taking a look and going, what would this relationship look like if I was empowered? If I felt 100% safe and secure to be me, to be authentically me, to acknowledge my needs and then request that they be met or go meet them myself somehow, what would that look like? And I got to tell you, it really changed a lot of the dynamics. And it started with changing the dynamic in myself. That's why we start with the inner process first. That's why we start with psychology and spirituality first, because you've got to get really clear about what it looks like to be empowered within before you can step out and try and shift into empowerment with others. So that's the third core pillar and your relationships will totally transform either you'll release the relationships that are toxic and that no longer are serving you, or you will invite other people to step up to the next level that you're going to. Some of them will choose to meet you there and some of them will choose not to. And so if they choose not to, then you let those relationships go. And if they choose to, wonderful, you have this awesome transformed relationship. Um, you know, you've got this beautiful, new, even more deep, more powerful connection with somebody. So it ends up being a really cool thing. I have found that surrounding myself, you and Emily included, um, with people who are also empowered, who are uplifting, who are inspiring, who are doing cool things themselves, who are they themselves authentically confident, it makes my life experience a lot more enjoyable. You know, you just get to do cool stuff. And I went out and hung out with you guys in Hawaii for a week, a couple months ago. And that was like, had the time of my life. It was a blast. So it just was really, it was really a reminder of how, um, how important it is to have sovereignty in your life. And then the final pillar uh, is, this is where the real magic happens. This is like the Disneyland fireworks show, like your life gets to come alive. And that fourth core pillar is self-actualization. And self-actualization, most people have probably heard this phrase from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is like, I don't know, high school level psych 101. So the bottom of the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy is, you know, food, shelter, water. Got to stay alive physically. And then it's like have security in our relationships, on and on and on. Well, the pinnacle of it, the very peak of this pyramid in basic human needs, this is classic ex existentialism, is self-actualizing. What that means is being not only connected with your potential, recognizing like your ultimate potential, the, the dreams that are beyond your wildest dreams, like the most amazing possible exper experience you could ever imagine for yourself. Not only having that vision, but then going out and creating it as a reality. This is where you're, the better it gets, the better it gets. You know, we hear these phrases kind of thrown around in personal development. That's one of my favorite, um, but it's like, okay, I'm not just imagining myself in some far off fantasy that I'm never going to take action on. It's like, I find, I finally have the skills 
I finally have the empowerment. I finally have the courage and the confidence and all of the resources I need to go out and turn that into a reality. So whether it's starting that dream business and making millions more than you ever thought possible. I grew up, um, we were not definitely not wealthy. I would say on the lower end of middle class. Um, and I, as an adult for many years in my young adult life, um, struggled in poverty. I experienced a lot of poverty and it was incredibly traumatizing. So now the idea of making 10,000 plus months is like, I never would have imagined. I was just trying not to live in my car. Like I was just trying to find a roof over my head. And the idea of like having lots of money, you know, readily available to me or having a huge income and doing it by living out my divine purpose, that was literally beyond what I ever could have imagined. And so self-actualization is the process of turning that inner freedom into external freedom, that outer freedom, where you do get to have massive wealth. You do get to have wild success. You do get to have all of the things that you dreamt of and more. And so those are the four core pillars. And it starts with the inner. The first two are the inner freedom that you're creating. And the outer, the second two are the outer freedom that you then get to experience once you have that foundation in place. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's the, that's the, yeah, we're, yeah, we're just having a conversation with one of our clients the other day and they were talking about, you know, kind of their, their, their vision of what their ultimate dream life would be. And it was so funny because they were saying that, but that's, but that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's so big that that's just not something that yeah. can happen. And that's you know, crazy. We trying to tell them, we're like, if you if you can imagine that, then that's because it already exists. If you have a desire in your heart, then that's because that is your birthright. That is your destiny. You wouldn't have these visions. You wouldn't have this crazy idea if it wasn't something that was meant for you. So. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, totally. I think it's so great. And of course, you know, when you're when you're really, you know, going back to your point about how like when you, you know, receive the negative reviews and, you know, how you had to like use your use your own sense of self as a way to get out of that and and to rise above that. It is so much like when you are when you are fully confident in who you are, and what your purpose on the world here, you know, is and then and, and how you want to make the world a better place, then from that place, when you're when you're living in that space, you're able to make better decisions for yourself and for your life, for your business. You're able to to rise above the, you know, the challenges and the chatter and instead just look at, all right, what are the opportunities for growth? How can I take this information and knowing I'm secure in who I am because I have the foundation, I can grow from this and I can do whatever I want from here. So totally. Yeah. It doesn't hold you back or limit you. Right. And actually be, I mean, this is the idea of failing forward or like, win or learn is that even when challenges do arise, it actually improves who you are because now you have a greater sense of knowledge. Now you've got a greater body of information that you can then move from. And just to kind of bring it back to the theme of the show, meditation, um, you know, when challenges arise, you can either respond to them in one of two ways. You can either say, this is happening to me, you can feel victimized by it, which is easy to do. It's that's, you know, it's easy to say, oh my gosh, look what they did to me. 
look what these jerks <laughs> left on my podcast review. And I, you know, I was very hurt by it. They, they uh, were successful in their attempt at hurting my feelings. Yeah. Um, but I can either say that or whatever it is. Oh, I got fired from my job. What am I going to do? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm victimized by this experience. The problem with that approach is that after the end of it, whether it gets resolved or not, you are disempowered. You're disempowering yourself by choosing to say, this is happening to me. Life is happening to me. And you just got, get caught up in this like um, reactive response. You're just reacting to try and keep yourself safe or protect that part of you that was feeling insecure or whatever. You're in a state of fear and you feel like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't have any autonomy here. I don't have any, um, I'm not empowered in any way. Yeah. The other option is when challenges arise, you can say, okay, I am choosing to remain. I'm choosing to stand in my power and recognize that even if something didn't go the way I wanted it to, even if something is a challenge that was unexpected, I know that I can learn and grow from this. And I've got a good example um, that you, Scott, know. And if people who are listening happen to follow me on social media, they probably also know this because I've been very open about it. Today, one month ago today, on September 11th, my younger brother died suddenly in a car accident, a motorcycle accident, not a car accident. Um, he was hit on his motorcycle and was killed. And um, it's very tragic. He was only 21 years old. So real young. Um, and because of that, we didn't have any of his affairs in order. <laughs> you know, we don't, you don't expect to be dealing with this when your kid brother is only 21. Um, and I know that Emily lost her brother about two years ago now, was it a year and a half? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be two years next month. And tomorrow yeah. is actually his birthday. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everything's kind of lining up time-wise here. Yeah. Um, but, but here was the kind of the choice that I had. And I'm not saying it was easy to move through this, obviously losing my younger brother. I lost my dad in the past as well. He died about, well, 25 years ago this year, also in a car accident, also young, also suddenly, and we were unprepared for it. Um, and so I'm not unfamiliar with kind of the aftermath and how challenging it is when a family member passes away, especially suddenly. Um, and so, you know, when it first happened, of course, I was an absolute mess. And I'm still in that process of moving through grief. And I'm allowing my emotions to arise and move through them and handling it in the healthiest way possible. But what I'm not doing is going, oh, my gosh, life is happening to me. Right. Not taking the perspective that I myself am victimized by this experience, because while I can't bring my brother back, there is nothing I can do in, in all of human history. That is the one thing we haven't figured out, which is to bring somebody back from the dead. It is impossible. There is nothing I could do or say or think that would ever bring my brother back. And I know that I'm not disempowered in this experience. And that's because I can actually take it as, wow, what a beautiful reminder at how fragile and precious and short of an opportunity we have to live fully. I just wrapped up a masterclass last week called Live, live Fully. 
living fully masterclass. So yes. if you're interested in whenever you're listening to this, if you're interested in watching the replays, shoot me a message, I'll see what I can do. Um, but what it did is it reminded me that I do have this one precious life, which is something I've, I've preached about and talked about forever and ever. Amen. But now it's even more visceral, like, oh, yeah, we only have this one chance. And there was a lot. I know Emily's spoken about this with her brother. There are so many dreams that my brother had that he didn't get the chance to realize. He didn't go out and do them. He was only 21 years old. He had a whole bucket list of items that he didn't go out and do. But I still have that chance. You still have that chance. If you're listening, you still have that opportunity. So even in this tragic experience, like losing a loved one, losing a family member, there is nothing more existentially jarring to the human experience than going, oh yeah, I'm directly confronting my own mortality. There's nothing more terrifying than that. And, you know, cuts you to your deepest part of your human experience. And I know that I'm not victimized by this. That's where that authentic confidence comes in, that empowerment. I'm taking this and I'm choosing to say, not that I'm not allowing my grief to come up. There's no like spiritual bypassing here. I'm, I'm sought out therapy. I'm working with a counselor. Like I'm doing the grief thing and I'm doing it the right way. But I'm also not letting it destroy my empowerment. I'm not letting it take the power away from me and victimize me in my own life. That also wouldn't bring my brother back. That wouldn't be helpful to him or to me. You know, that's only, that's only um, stripping my potential in my life away. Instead, I'm looking at, okay, even in the worst case scenario, literally the hardest experience you can have in your life, losing a loved one, I still am going, how, how can I grow from this? How can this enhance my life experience, enhance my self-actualization? Yeah. And the way I'm doing it, um, the way it's coming through for me at this time is that it's reminding me that I still have this chance to go out and do all the cool stuff I want to do to go out and like make things happen, to impact other people's lives, to leave a legacy that I want to leave, to have an impact on people's psycho-spiritual journey, to fulfill my divine purpose. That's what self-actualization looks like. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. And, you know, thinking, you know, obviously we've had the conversation before and obviously we've talked about it on the show and on our social media channels about, you know, uh, our experience with uh, Emily's brother, Dylan, passing away. And, you know, just seeing that somebody who had so many ideas and dreams and plans of things that they wanted to do someday yeah. and just never did. And for us, it was such an, an eye opener knowing that, you know, our, our our time on this earth in this particular incarnation of who we are yeah. is very limited and, and very short and very finite. And, you know, the worst thing that I can think that can happen to someone is that when something like that happens, they experience loss, whether it's through the loss of a family member or a loved one, or whether it's any other way that you experience loss and trauma is so many people become so disempowered by that looking at the world is happening to me everything's against me i can i can remember being younger and growing up in the south and hearing all sorts of fun little weird uh sayings like things <laughs> like you know when you're a little kid people say i've known you since you were knee high to a grasshopper yeah yeah i don't know any 
human child that has ever been that small. But anyway, it's a saying. <laughs> but one of the sayings that we used to hear all the time, especially coming from kind of middle class to lower middle class family, is that we would hear, you know, the phrase that I was effed by the flying fickle finger of fate which basically means you have no control, that fate is determining everything in your life, and that when bad things happen to you, it's because the world is out to get you. And when you live in that space of believing that you have no power, that you have no control to create your own reality, it, it puts you in this perpetual just hamster wheel that you're 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 literally unable to do anything with your life and and talk about just you know waiting to get through the end of the day or the next minute or the next hour that's how so many people live their life i know i did for the longest time and so yeah i mean being able to to tap into your authentic confidence being so sure of who you are and what your core values and beliefs are when you're in that space the world is a much, much better place and yeah. has so much more potential to be enjoyable and to yeah, to have fun and to be able to do the things that you want to do and that you say you want to do. Yeah. Well, and I love that too, because, you know, I struggled for many years, just barely getting by, just making it, trying to get through the next, you know, month, week, whatever, day, minute, like you were talking about. And... I'm not trying to dismiss people's real experience because when I was victimized, when I was uh, operating from a disempowered state of victimhood, I, those were real struggles for me. I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I didn't know if I was going to eat. I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. I used to like um, sneak into an office that I didn't even, (laughs) this is, I could definitely get in trouble for this, but I used to sneak into an office. I didn't even work at anymore because I knew the code to the door after everybody was gone sleep wake up and leave before anybody came back. Like I used to sleep in an office. I didn't even work out anymore. Um, Real sketch, real sketch vibes there. But anyway, I really struggled. I mean, I'm not trying to dismiss people's real experience. And that's what I heard when I was victimized, when I was disempowered and people were like, oh, you can get yourself out of that. What I heard was blame. And that just made me feel even more victimized. What I have created in the art of authentic signature program, Art of Authentic Confidence, like the signature method that I've created from my own experience is, okay, you're not dismissing that part, those struggles. Those are real things that you have to figure out. You do have to eat in order to stay in this body and stay alive. You do have to have, you know, food, water, shelter. What I am saying is that by shifting your internal experience first, by starting in your internal experience, learning how to be empowered instead of immediately going to disempowered, learning how to identify your innate creative power that you have within you, this inner divinity, this inner manifesting creative force that is within everyone. Learning how to tap into that first is going to help with problem solving. It's going to help with Moving through this discursiveness, this confusion, this idea that life is happening to you, all of a sudden, when you shift your internal experience, you're able to put out those fires much quicker. 
And then once they're put out, you're not creating more, you know, you're not putting a bandaid that's only causing another problem. Right. I used to, I, I was stuck in this hamster wheel cycle where I was jumping out of the pot into the fire, jumping out of the fire back into the pot. I was going from crisis situation to crisis situation. And it was like, I don't know, I don't care where I'm going. I just have to leave this situation. So I would get myself in a worse situation. And so instead of putting out a fire by starting another fire, you're actually putting out the fires, handling the challenges, figuring out solutions that can calm your nervous system down, get you out of state. You know, this is what it means to be a trauma informed coach, getting you out of a state of trauma, moving through that, and then shifting into being empowered in every situation. Once you can clean up those real challenges that you feel like you're, I used to describe it where it was like, one thing would, it felt like a wave crashing into me that was really disorienting. And while I was trying to stay afloat, not drown under this wave, another wave hit me from another direction. And so I felt so disoriented, like I was being hit from every possible direction and like, didn't even know what was up and what was down was so disoriented in my life. I had no grounding in who I was. So of course I couldn't put out fires. My nervous system was wrecked. I didn't have any sense of security. I wasn't confident. I didn't trust myself. You know, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Like I just couldn't figure it out. It's a Ghostbusters quote, by the way. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I knew you would get the, the Bill yeah. Murray reference. Yeah. Um, but when you have this inner stability, this connection with your inner power and your inner confidence that's truly authentic, then that's why I say your external is a reflection of your internal. Like then you can go out and take the action that not only soothes and calms the waters of your life, calms and, and finds solutions and handles and figures out with grace and with dignity and with your core values, being in alignment with integrity you can figure out all of the, that chaos and that crisis. And then all of your energy is now freed up to go make something better. Then you have available to you all this energy that then you can go out and do cool stuff. And until I figured out how to calm my inner world and create a sense of inner empowerment, inner strength, inner tranquility, inner confidence that was authentic. I could not do cool stuff, reach my potential, self-actualize into who I was meant to be, let alone even just handle the fires that were going on in my life, let alone even figure out the basics. Yeah. And so most people who are listening to this probably are not as bad off as I was. <laughs> You're probably not like sneaking into your old job to sleep. Um, but you've got some version of that in your life as a listener, you've got some version of, I don't know how to stand in my power in this relationship. I don't know how to stand up for myself when I'm being, you know, taken it for granted at work. I don't know how to satisfy a disgruntled customer that is in integrity with myself and find a win-win solution for everybody. I don't know how to. X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, right? You, we've all got some version of that. Hopefully for the listeners, it's not to the severity that my experience was, but I can, I can walk you through. Once you go through the step-by-step -step process in the Art of Authentic Confidence program, you will come out the other side, a completely different 
inner person. You're, you're regrounded into who you truly are. And you've got an inner sense of power that no matter what the challenging situation is, you know, you can move through it and you can do it with being in integrity with your core values. You can do it with grace. You can do it with compassion. You can do it with dignity. You can do it where you're finding a win-win solution for everybody. You don't have to do it by hardening your heart and being cruel or saying it's them or me. You know, there's a way to move through life where it gets to be enjoyable. It gets to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can't, you know, you can, you can build on the ashes, but you can't build on the fire. Unless you mm-hmm. want a bigger fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. Is that a deep South phrase? <laughs> I just came up with that. It just I like it. It's good. It. But yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 have to learn how to put out the fire yeah. first. Um, you know, I know so many people live in a perpetual fire state. Yeah. You know, and it and it and it doesn't have to be, you know, the you know, the fire of, you know, my life's in shambles and everything's going to hell. Instead, it could just be the fire of I'm always trying to do more. I'm always going forward and I'm never stopping for long enough to actually look around and take account of how amazing life can be. So, yeah, it's, you know, so many people are taught unless you feel like you're on fire all the time, then you're not accomplishing anything. That's right. Boy, do we get that message a lot, especially as business owners. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially as entrepreneurs. If I'm not working hard, that means I don't deserve the reward of being successful. Yeah. How In many order to be successful, I have to work Sorry, hard. Sorry, that's not enough. How many yeah. Facebook posts did you do today? Sorry, that's not enough. That's not enough. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I like this idea of how your fires can look different. And I, I totally get that. I use my example as... Um, the extreme example, because my life was in shambles, going to hell in a handbasket, and it was not good, but I was able to get myself out of it by using these tools and techniques. That's why I wrote, that's why I wrote them down. That's why I'm sharing them with people, because it actually works. Yep. Um, but I do like that idea of how your fire might look different, that um, maybe it's an internal pressure that you put on yourself and you never feel like you can relax, or maybe it's you have anxiety you have high functioning anxiety, even maybe you're like a super successful business person, business owner, whatever it is, but you can't get enough sleep at night because you're so stressed out or you are, I used to do this where I would sit in my car and I would like have an absolute meltdown, like be crying. And then I'd wipe away the tears. I'd blow my nose real quick. I'd fix my mascara. And then I'd go into the meeting, like I was perfectly fine. Like I just come off, you know, a cruise ship or something. And the truth is a lot of people do struggle in secrecy. They do struggle with very hidden fires. You know, your fires might be very obvious to other people. If you're, you know, if your life sucks and is totally in shambles, like you said, but there's a lot of things that this process can help you with that nobody else even knows about, you know, you're, you're struggling with anxiety, but you hold it all in and you know how to put on a very good facade, a very good front. And so everybody thinks they can depend on you, but you don't have anyone else to go to, you know, cause you've got yeah. that front on or whatever it looks like for you, whether it's anxiety, which mindfulness meditation to bring it back again is a great tool for this. Um, incredibly helpful, whether it's pressure, I used to be stuck on the cycle of perfectionist pressure is what I call it. 
Um, and there's a whole like process that you go through of setting your standards really high, inevitably failing to meet those standards, internalizing that failure is saying, look, I'm a failure in order to not feel like a failure. I have to prove myself by doing something grand and you're back at the beginning. And so maybe you're stuck on this pressure cycle where no matter what you do, no matter how much you achieve, it's never good enough. You know, whatever it is, your fire can look like a million different things. The art of authentic confidence process starts with getting grounded in who you are first, and then everything else is manageable. Everything else is figure outable, as Marie Forleo likes to say. So, yeah, yeah. It's a good starting yeah, we, point. Yeah, we've yeah we've said it before. I know on the show and probably a couple thousand times in some emails we've said that <laughs> it's it's like if you if you're trying to build something, you can't start in the middle and try and build upwards from there. I mean, yeah, you can, and that'll have mixed results, but, but <laughs> like so often, like people will get into the entrepreneur space, business ownership, whether it's, you know, top level athletes, whatever. And, and they're trying to, to skip the foundational piece. That's yeah. so, so important. And I know some of the people that we've had on the show and clients that we've talked to friends that we've talked to, you know, it, it, it doesn't last when you, when you are building something as big as your own company and yeah. you're looking to scale to the seven and eight figure mark and you're trying to do that without recognizing your limitations, without recognizing your hidden traumas that you're not dealing with and you're instead just trying to like bypass all that. Yep it will crumble down eventually. It may not completely catastrophically crumble. Maybe it'll just be that you have to reorganize and you have to start all over or something. But yeah, without that foundation, you just can't build from there. You know, that's, it's, a, it's, it's so true. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an easy analogy to think of a building and, you know, think of, you know, if you start with a foundation that's built on, you know, a bunch of crumbly mud and stuff, you know, your, 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 your building's probably not going to last. So same <laughs> thing with your business, with your life, you know, start with a good foundation and everything else can grow bigger and bigger from there. That's right. And I'm, I really try and connect that foundational piece to the end result. So yeah. from spirituality, from recognizing you, that's the first core pillar from recognizing your inner divinity all the way to self-actualization. It's like you can't get to the self-actualized version of yourself if you don't start with having this inner relationship with who you truly are. Mm -hmm. And so people don't always see the connection between point A to point Z, but really it's like, yeah, I could go around and just talk about doing big things, just taking, you know, big risks and bold behavior and, you know, bold actions and all of that. But to go back to your building analogy, what I envisioned when you said that in my head was trying to build the 15th floor before you built the first floor. Yep. And it's like, well, not only is your 15th floor going to be like on nothing, but you can't build the 30th floor. You can't get up that high without the first through the 14th floor. So, you know, it's really like, You've, you've got to start. There is a method to the process that I have lined out and it is specific. It's also research based. Um, my background is in contemplative based transpersonal psychology. So I actually have a degree in psychology and studied all of this. And um, 
not to get too like sciencey on you guys, but there's this thing developed by the psychologist named or psychiatrist, excuse me, named Aaron Beck. And it's called Beck's triad, cognitive triad of depression. Basically what he says is there's these three points, like this triangle. One of the points is having a negative relationship with yourself. I'm not worthy. I'm good for nothing. The world is better off without me. One other point is um, having a negative relationship with others in the world. The world is against me, like your uh, Southern phrase of you get effed by the finger of fate, whatever it was. Flying fickle finger of fate. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, you know, my destiny, I'm destined to just be a failure and miserable, whatever. Um, the world is out to get me. Others can't be trusted. Everybody's out for themselves. And so I can't trust people. And then finally, the third um, point on the, on the triad is a negative relationship with your future, believing that you'll never amount to anything, feeling like this is as good as it gets and it's only going to get worse from here. If you have that specific combination, negative view of yourself, negative view of others in the world and negative view of your future, that directly leads to depression. This is clinically tested, clinically researched. Those three things lead to depression. And so I, I thought, great, if you flip that over, and have a positive perspective of yourself. This is that psychology core pillar. Have a positive relationship with others. That's that sovereignty core pillar. Have a positive relationship with your future, your destiny. That's the self-actualization core pillar. That's going to lead to happiness. And I thought, well, there's something missing here. So instead of Beck's cognitive triad, I'm switching it to Sarah's cognitive quadrant. Um, <laughs> to say you also need a healthy, positive um, relationship with spirit as well. Yeah. And so if you have all four of those, then you can reach this sense of existential fulfillment, this real sense of meeting your divine purpose, having real purpose in the world, having meaningful relationships with others, being able to self-actualize your potential and your destiny as it was meant to be, returning to what you said earlier of if you have a desire that right there is the sole indicator that you were meant to experience that. Yeah. If you have a desire at all, if you weren't meant to experience it, if you weren't meant to go out and create it and have fun and do it, you wouldn't have the desire. I used this the other day in uh, one of my trainings where I said, you know, I, I could care less about pro sports. I just don't, I don't care. I don't give a, rats rear end. <laughs> I love to go to pro games. I live here in Denver. We've got seven professional sports teams. I love to go to a good baseball game and have hot dog, drink the soda, whatever, go to a basketball game. And I love hearing the sneakers squeaking on the court, <laughs> like, and doing the cheers in the stand, but I don't care about sports. I just like to go for the experience. That's not my dream. I'm not meant to like be a pro athlete. I'm not meant to get the football signed by the famous football star and have it on my mantle. I don't care about those things. I don't have those desires, nope. but there's plenty of people out there who that is like their old, that's their life. Yeah. You know, think of all the sports fans who their whole life revolves around wearing their team's Jersey and having their team's memorabilia. And if they got one high five from one hockey player walking out of the stands, that would just make their dreams come true. And so I really, I specify that because having a desire, that self-actualization, just having the desire right there tells you that you're meant to have it. Yeah. And so when you say, oh, that's crazy, or that's so far-fetched, or so that's so big, that's so wild and crazy and out there, it doesn't matter. Like, 
you get to experience it. You're, you're already being told that you get to have that life experience just because you're interested in it, just because you want it. I'm yeah. probably not ever going to meet a famous athlete and that's okay. <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not my destiny. I'm not meant to experience it. So, yeah. Well, we've had the, ha had the luxury of recently having a professional athlete on the show. Dean Lucas was actually just on. So oh, awesome. You know, a little bit of a geek out moment for me being, you know, a big fan of mountain biking, but at the same time, it's not like I had to have Dean come and sign my jersey or sign my helmet, sure, yeah. you know, to make myself. I just, I just like talk, you know, talking to cool people. But, but yeah, thinking about like, I, I think honestly, a really good indicator whether a vision is really supposed to happen for you is how many people tell you it's crazy, and <laughs> how crazy you may think it is. Like, I mean, yeah. think about. I mean, the Wright brothers deciding that they wanted to fly, like how many people Insane, had yeah. tried and died and failed? Yeah. How many people told them they're completely crazy, it can't, but that they were obsessed with it and they definitely had their doubts too, but that was their destiny. That's why yeah. we've read about them all these years because that was what they were meant to do. And, and you can be guaranteed, they heard plenty of times, are you freaking crazy? Yeah. You can't do that. Nobody can do that. That's impossible. Yes. Define I mean, the laws of physics. Guess yeah, what? I, you know, I've seen like the, you know, I've seen the athletes, like the really top level athletes that do like the professional level parkour stuff. Mm -hmm. And it blows my mind. I mean, you know, it used to be you would see things in movies and action movies and that sort of thing. And you knew that it was all either CGI or it was wires or something yeah. like that. But more and more things that you're seeing in film now and action is actual real stunts that are being done because people have learned how to harness the laws of physics, yeah. working with the laws of physics to be able to do things with their bodies that we thought weren't possible. People being able to run faster than we thought was possible. Yeah. So to everybody that's listening right now, if you have a vision for your life, that you think is absolutely crazy, then that's probably the best indicator that that vision is for you. Yeah, congratulations, you've, yeah. you've got a good start. You've got yeah. the crazy idea. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was, when you were talking about the action films, I was just imagining when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, if you Gosh, remember that yeah. film. So good. So revolutionary, I think it was in high school, or I mean, it was a while ago. Um, I mean, not that long ago, but you know, a while back. And uh, it was like, what beyond our wildest dreams. And now, like you said, yeah, if I saw somebody doing parkour, doing the same things, running across roofs, making these long, big jumps, whatever, I'd be like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's real. You know, that's amazing. That's great. But I wouldn't think, think oh, about that's... climbing up to the top of a bamboo tree and like jumping from trees. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. We have, yeah, we have a few trails here that have lots of lots of bamboo trees. Bamboos, I know I was there recently yeah. on a trail. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do a cartwheel, so you know I need to master that before I start doing the parkour. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also don't have a desire to do a cartwheel, so I think yeah. I'm safe. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, going back to the foundational piece. Obviously, if you're listening to this right now, don't just run outside and go jump off a roof and try <laughs> to figure out how it works. You know, start with the foundational piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a public touch. service announcement to anyone who's listening. We do not advocate jumping yeah. off roofs. <laughs> Well, and that, that goes back to the mindfulness piece. This is something yeah. I was mentioning this before we started recording the show as we were chatting. Um, but 
mindfulness and meditation is something that I was introduced to very young. I mean, I'm talking under 10 years old. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a, not to get into my life story, but uh, I grew up in a rural part of Texas outside of Austin, but still in a very rural area. And yet um, there was this Hindu ashram. I guess the land is cheap out there. That's my best guess, but there's, and it's still there. The Hindu ashram still there. Um, and so I got exposed to Eastern philosophy as a really young child and was introduced to all the Hindu gods and goddesses and mindfulness and meditation, all of that past lives, psychics. Like I was just exposed to this stuff. It didn't seem abnormal to me. And, um, that caused a little bit of problems in school. Cause I remember being in like second grade and, we were supposed to say how many eyes were on the person's face and how many, no, you know, whatever, doing counting and stuff. And I said, well, there's a third eye. You just can't see it. I was like talking about the third eye chakra <laughs> and my like rural small town, Texas elementary school teacher was like, no, She's been there's only two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> so it caused a little trouble. Um, in other areas, but I got super exposed to it and ended up dedicating my personal academic and professional life to practicing mindfulness. And why I wanted to bring that up. Well, that's just to say, I've never thought of like having to try to include it. I don't think about it as an additional subject in my life because so much of my life is based on meditation, practicing contemplative practices, which comes from the word to contemplate. Um, contemplative practice is just how I live, um, which is bringing in awareness, bringing a, a mindfulness into every aspect of your life in every moment. So when you are looking at your crazy idea, when you are looking at your, you know, this is my right brothers, I'm going to defy the laws of gravity and create a a big revolutionary thing, whatever that looks like for you. doesn't have to be, you know, making the next airplane. Um, it could just be starting your business or leaving your nine to five or whatever it is. Um, but when you think about that, this is where the mindfulness can come in and help you discern whether that's a true desire of yours or whether that's something you're doing from a place of discursiveness, from a place of confusion of like, oh, I'm just doing this because I was told that in order to be a real woman, because, you know, you hear that a lot in order to be a real man, but we also get these messages as women, you know, by 30, I have to be married and have two and a half kids and live in a white picket fence home. And if I don't, I'm not really a woman, you know, am I really, if, are my dreams about getting married and being obsessed over this and having kids from that pressure, or is it my true desire to like, make the next Montessori version of a school or, you know, whatever it is to do really healthy, proper, beautiful child rearing. Um, and the way you can discern that is to lean into that mindfulness practice, to meditate, to clear your mind, you know, in, in the entrepreneurial space and in the personal development and business ownership space, the life coaching industry, you hear a lot about mindset work and it is absolutely crucial and really important. And I love hearing about it and talking about it, teaching on it and practicing it. But there's something that's not talked about as much, which is your heart set. Yeah. That is getting really in tune with, this is why I start with the foundation of spirituality and art of authentic confidence. Like this is step one get in tune with who you really are. And it's not always just about how you think we must incorporate how we feel, how you feel is a crucial factor in what you're able to go out and create. If you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to go do this big, bold thing. 
all the meanwhile feeling not good enough to go do that big, bold thing, guess what? It's going to fail. You're not going to be successful. Like it's just not going to work. That's how manifestation works. And so I really focus on mindfulness and contemplative practices as a form of getting my heart set cleaned up in addition to having a cleaned up mindset. So that's what we do. That's what I do with my clients. We go through this process. Um, just if I may really quickly, the art of authentic confidence, private mentorship, I offer a private mentorship and it's 12 weeks. It's one-on-one. So it's just me and you, me and you taking a deep dive into your mindset, your heart set, your inner space, what's going on in your inner world. And then from there, that's where you see the big results with my clients of creating these massive dreams come true beyond their wildest imagination, beyond what they ever thought possible. You can bet when I was, you know, secretly sleeping at my old office, because otherwise it was that, that or my car, you know, when I was essentially homeless, wasn't, um, sleeping on the street. So I try not to use that phrase and be misleading, but essentially I was homeless. I didn't have my own space to live in. Um, I was having to like sneak in, break into my old job. You, you better believe that at that time I could never have imagined taking a week long trip to Hawaii and experiencing luxury at the finest level. I could never have imagined this beautiful home that I live in now, this beautiful space that is so sacred, so safe, so nourishing and comforting that I love to work from home and stay here all the time. What I have created now by going through this process of cleaning up my inner world and then creating an outer world beyond my wildest dreams is so far beyond what I ever could have pictured. So even when you've got that crazy dream of the Wright brothers, the jumping off the building and the making an airplane, and you think, boy, that's crazy. That's really far-fetched, man. That's really wild and out there. It gets to be even better than that. It's like, just wait till you get your inner life cleaned up. Just wait till you've got that inner freedom because then your outer freedom is going to be way better than you ever could have imagined. So. I just like to drive that point home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, going back to the whole foundation conversation, I mean, thinking that, I mean, the better your foundation is, the better you can build on from there Mm -hmm. and and the more crazy of a building you can make. (laughs) I mean, if you're, if you have this huge, giant, you know, subterranean mounted foundation that can support anything, then you can build the craziest, most beautiful, amazing building ever. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. just, you know, we, you know, as you know, we live in a, in a high rise. We were just talking about how we got hit by an earthquake recently and we could feel it here, but it certainly didn't give me pause to like think we were going to die at any moment or anything. But, but, you know, looking at the place that we live in, they didn't start with just, all right, let's pour some concrete on the ground and see what we can build up. I mean, they, they did excavation, they went into the earth, they built pillars into the ground, I mean, so that you can build this super tall building. The same thing's true with your life, you know? Yeah. If, you, if you right now can think of, what is the craziest, most outlandish vision I have for my life? Just know that that's the beginning and yeah. that the closer and closer you get to realizing that, the more and more it expands. And when you have the good foundation, you can keep growing. You can go further. Going from there. 
Yeah, I liked I'm glad you brought up the like building the foundation. I mean, going deep into the earth. They're actually building um, some buildings right next to where I live. And I have been watching the excavation, watching them digging up the earth and how deep they go with these big, I don't know, iron pillars or whatever. And then they start to build on top of that. And what I love about this analogy is that it so drives home the point that the deeper you go with your inner work, like it's really a direct metaphor with like the deeper you go in the ground, the higher you can build. The deeper you do the inner work, which is what we do in those first two core pillars, those inner core pillars, the higher your heights can be for that self-actualization. The higher you can go in your life because you started with that foundation of going so incredibly deep, getting into the deepest depths of your soul, of your being, of your heart, of your mind, of every aspect of who you are, what it means to be alive in this, in this body. Um, and the deeper you go with that, the more amazing things you can do in the world and in your life. So I absolutely love that motif- metaphor. I think it's pretty spot on for <laughs> what I'm doing. Well, you know, you know, I think of a conversation I had with somebody who was a personal trainer that I worked with a long time ago, and they were talking about how they knew a professional athlete that was in the NFL there in wow. Colorado. And this person was, God, I I think at the time they were early 20s, very early 20s. And they were at an airport and they're calling their friend, who was one of the personal trainers that we all work together with. And she's talking to them and they're like, something happened. And like, you know, my flight got delayed. So I was supposed to catch a ride, but... I, now I'm too late, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get to my hotel here from you know, you know, from the airport. They're like, you just signed like a twenty-two million dollar contract for the next <laughs> six years. You can probably afford to get an Uber. Yeah, maybe just but, Uber, buddy. <laughs> but but they just hadn't done any of the foundational work yet. They were thrust into this incredibly high level of existence in such a short period of time that they literally just didn't have the the background and the information to make a decision on something as basic as well i got here late and my ride's not here so i don't know what to do yeah they couldn't figure it out and have to call my friend who lives in another <laughs> city and have them help me figure out how to get home just because they didn't have the foundation and yet we've talked to athletes that they grew up in the sport, they had mentors and all that, and now they're at places in their sport to where they're at a very, very high level and they have a very clear head about it. They're not partying all the time and losing all their money and all that. It's because they had the foundation. So, yeah. Uh, I've been watching a ton of Kobe Bryant interviews. I know he's controversial um, because of some of the scandals that happened during his lifetime, but in the past year that since he passed, uh, year and a half maybe was it was it 2020 i think it's been longer i can't oh, remember gosh. Yeah. i don't remember I, time has yeah. been warped because of covid yeah. but um yeah. not not that i got covid but the pandemic um anyway i've been watching since his death a ton of his like interviews and just his yeah. philosophy and talk about one of the greatest athletes in the world but he also 
you know, every story is comes from people who played with him or people who trained with him or whatever. And they're like, you know, I was going to get there early. I showed up at this time and guess who was there before me? Kobe, Kobe was already there. And then I stayed, I thought I was going to stay super long. I went past my practice time. I stayed on the court and guess who was there when I left Kobe, he was the first one there and the last one to leave. And everything he talks about is like, my success is not from luck. He's like, I wasn't, I was worse. If you hear some of his um, stories of how he got started playing basketball when he was young, like a teenager or even preteen or whatever, he's like, I wasn't good. I was not good. I just was willing to put in the effort and figure out what it was that it took to be successful. And this isn't a, a stamina motivation. For me, it was like, okay, I'm willing to go deep. There's nothing that scares me about myself. I'm not afraid of looking at my shadow. Even when I get people who are leaving these nasty reviews, you know, we talked to bring it back to the beginning. Even when people are giving me the most painful feedback I could possibly get, even when my baby younger brother dies suddenly in a car accident, this huge tragedy, that just ripped my heart right out of my chest. Oh my God. There's nothing more painful than some of the experiences that I've gone through. And yet, because I have this foundation of authentic confidence, I'm not afraid of myself. I'm not afraid to go into the places that scare you, the places that are painful. I'm not afraid to lean into that because I know it's not going to shatter my sense of self. Yeah. I know that I'll come out the other end of it still alive still Sarah bird, still a divine child of spirit, you know, whatever, still a divine being. I know that I'm going to come out the other side. And in fact, I'm going to come out with gems, you know, these, these messages, this teaching, whatever it is, I'm not trying to trying to spiritually bypass my brother's death or justify people leaving me nasty messages reviews. Cause I think they were, you know, very childish for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> to give it the PC version. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not justifying bad things happening and challenging experiences, but I'm not disempowered. And because I'm not afraid of that part of myself, I'm not afraid of doing the deep inner work. And that's what Kobe was so committed to is like, I'm not afraid to show up early. I'm not afraid to give up on my, you know, give up going out and partying. Cause I'm this rich guy now. Yeah. I'm not afraid to like put all of my time and energy into cleaning up my inner work so that my outer life is a lot easier so I can self-actualize. So I've just really, I, I used the example earlier of not being a sports fan, like, Oh, I don't care about sports, but actually there's a lot of really wonderful messages that come from successful athletes. There are some who are bad examples, (laughs) like, you know, don't go and bite somebody's ear off in the middle of a flight, (laughs) fight, you know, there's not everyone should be looked up to just because they're an athlete, but yeah, there's some good, good lessons there. Yeah, for sure. Well, and yeah, yeah, I, I remember hearing this story about Tiger Woods, how, you know, obviously when he first came onto the scene and was winning so much, people are like, man, you know, this guy is like at a whole other level than everybody else. And they're like, well, what is he doing? And obviously he was doing resistance training, which the golfers just weren't doing prior to that, really. I mean, yes, wow. um, but not to the level he was. And then they talked about, you know, when he went out and practiced, he didn't go out and play golf for three or four hours. He went out to one specific hole and he didn't leave there until he could sink 
that hole a hundred times in a row. You know, wow. I mean, he he practiced that art like he yeah. practiced it the way that it has to be practiced in order to become an expert at it and yeah. so much of that i think has been taught to us in a very like masculine forceful way like you know if you if you want to be successful you have to put in the hustle you have to put in the grind and all that but people that are really reaching the highest levels they're not about the hustle they're not about grinding it out they're about being so inspired by their vision that they look at things differently and they do things differently because they're so connected to that vision and they're so connected to themselves. They know what motivates them and what doesn't motivate them. Right. And that's, yeah, obviously we hear it heavily meditated. Love to talk about meditation is such a great way to get super familiar with yourself and to oh. figure out not, not try and stop yourself from thinking, but instead, learn what am i thinking like what do i think about all the time and when was the last time that we all did that like you know i go to places all the time public places and everybody's there with their phone in their hands or the face down just going and there's all like you know especially if you're in a situation where you're waiting somewhere nobody wants to not have the phone anymore like yeah. i always put the phone away whenever i get in line at the grocery store or something like that I'm always like watching everybody <laughs> trying to, you know, just kind of be in the experience and be there. But I'm looking around and always like everybody's like, I don't want to interact with anybody. I want to be in my little world protected you yeah. know, away from everybody else. But it's yeah, it's such an amazing world out there when we open our eyes and especially when we're comfortable enough being really quiet with ourselves, That's sitting right. in a quiet room by yourself. Wow. What a novel concept. <laughs> I love it. I'm a big old introvert, not I'm shy, but I'm an introvert. And so I I'm love too. alone time. Yeah, me too. Quiet. I mean, maybe it's because I've been a meditator for 25 plus years now, but yeah. just quiet time is so soothing to me. But if you're not used to that, if you're not used to um, observing what your real lived experience is, when you do, I always give this when I'm doing meditation instruction, where when you first start meditating, it's like you've got this surface, I wish people could see me, I know you're just listening, but you've got this like surface level and right underneath the surface are all these emotions that you've never dealt with. You know, that have, it's like you've had all these experiences and you've got all this percolating emotion just beneath the surface. And when you finally get still, all of those emotions are right there. And often when people first meditate, one, it's, it all of a sudden is really refreshing because it's like, oh, my mind can slow down a little bit. And I live in such an anxious, high, fast paced world. Like this is really soothing and really refreshing. And then the next stage is all these emotions that they've avoided for the last however many decades are right there, ready to be, you know, acknowledged and to come forth. And then they all come up and it's like, Oh, terrifying. You know, you're, you're having to deal with all these emotions that are right there all of a sudden readily accessible. And then once you kind of purge that, it's like getting the, I don't want to say the word toxins, but like moving through these emotions and releasing the things that you've avoided by getting on the phone anytime you have a moment or distracting yourself with any addiction, food, sex, drugs, TV, whatever it is, alcohol, anything. Um, okay. 
whatever. all of those things, you're avoiding yourself. And so you finally have all these emotions that come up, you release it, you get through it It can be terrifying, it can be really scary. And then underneath that is where you find this grounded sense of who you are. And that's what I teach in the art of authentic confidence is like beneath the discursiveness, beneath the the top level, which is anxiety, like fast paced world. My mind never slows down. I'm always plugged in. You know, we've got this 24 hour news cycle always going. I know people who wake up and while they're getting dressed, turn the news on to watch what's going on. And it's like, that's how you start your day. That's completely like, you're going to have anxiety all day if you do that. So that's that first level. So you meditate and you get it calm a little bit. And it's like, Oh, my mind has space in it. I have spaciousness in my being that I've never touched into before. I've never accessed that. And that feels really good. Let's keep going and see what's under that. And then it's like, here we go. Let's unpack it. Let's dive deep. That's what we do in Art of Authentic Confidence. It requires courage. When I talk about the investment in my program and whenever I'm giving details about what the investment is for my program, I always include courage. You have to be willing to invest courage to do this because we're going to go deep. We're going to unpack your life and who you are, these beliefs that you've held, these emotions that you've held that have been running the show without you even knowing it. They've been driving the direction of your life without you knowing it. And then once we kind of get that all cleaned up, clean that out, get through it, beneath that is this incredibly peaceful and incredibly creative and wonderfully freeing version of you that is waiting for you to discover it. It's like the secret chamber of life is waiting there within you, but you've got to get past these other layers first. So that's what I take my clients through is that process. And it's really beautiful to see people finally get in touch with themselves in a real way where they come out the other side feeling authentically confident. Yes. Well, that's a perfect segue for us to ask. How <laughs> can people find you? How can they work with you? What's the best way to, to get in yeah, touch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're interested in the Art of Authentic Confidence private mentorship, um, like I said, it's a 12-week one-on-one private private program. And it's really, really wonderful. I stand behind the program so much. I've created this very high-end, world-class experience for people. Um And I'm just so blessed to be able to walk people through this process. And they are blessed too, to be able to go through it because it's really darn good. Um, They can check it out at artofauthenticconfidence.com. Specifically, the mentorship page is artofauthenticconfidence.com forward slash mentorship. So it's pretty straightforward. Uh, So that would be the best way is to check it out on the website. If they want to follow me on social media, all of my handles are at Art of Authentic Confidence. So on Instagram, Art of Authentic Confidence is my handle. On Facebook, you can find me Art of Authentic Confidence with Sarah Bird. That's B-Y-R-D. So, you know, I'm around and it's all under the same name. I have some, you know, I'm up on YouTube, Art of Authentic Confidence on YouTube. So it's pretty consistent and probably the best way to get in touch with me is to email me, send me a private message on any of the social media platforms. The, the team will get it to me um, and we'll be in touch. So check out the website. Yeah. All right, everybody. If you're listening, hop on over right now. <laughs> as soon as the episode is over, Yeah. hop on over there. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, obviously, as we near the end here, I always like to do my little thing that I ripped off from Lewis Howes. Um, <laughs> that's the, and that's just to take a second to you know to thank you, not just for being on the show again. We're so glad to to have you back on, and especially for you know the opportunity to be able to share this work that you're doing with the Art of Authentic Confidence, but also just the work that you're doing is so desperately needed and so 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 valuable. And so I'm just really, really grateful for the opportunity to be able to share that with our audience. And I'm so grateful for for you doing the work that you've done to be the person you are now and how you're able to to really put yourself out there in the world and provide something of, of such incredible value. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. for. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. What just a heartwarming mm-hmm. moment. Thank you. And you and Emily are a huge inspiration for me to be showing up in the world the way I am. So back at you. <laughs> yeah. Emily sends her love. Aww. All right. So now as we near the end, we've, we've talked about it before. So I'll give you the opportunity to answer if, if anything else has happened. Have you had any sort of interesting, strange, bizarre experiences with meditation? Ooh. Um, I mean, I could write a book on <laughs> the right? strange experiences I've had. Yeah. I've, you know, for me, my version of spirituality, um, I am trained in a Tibetan lineage um, of Buddhism. So I have, I have formal Buddhist training. And I practice both. Uh, if you know this about Buddhism, you know what this means. If you don't, don't worry about it. It's a bunch of, you know, psych, not psychobabble, but Buddhist babble. Anyway, I practice both Vajrayana Buddhism and Mahayana Buddhism. I've taken the Bodhisattva vow and whatnot. So um, in those experiences, yeah, you have all kinds of um, intense, powerful moments of really feeling what it means in Buddhism. We talk about emptiness, not nothingness. That would be nihilism or nihilism. Um, but we talk about emptiness, which is our true nature, which is like infinite potential. When, when a, when a room is completely empty, you can go into that room and do anything you want. You can create worlds in that room. You can paint, you can dance, you can sing, whatever. If a room is completely filled with cement, that's nothingness, right? There's zero potential. So in Buddhist meditation, the particular practices that I've engaged in, yeah, I mean, I've had wild experiences from um, like hallucinating and seeing things around me. I, I wasn't in like a state of psychosis or anything, just having these fantastical visions, um, to having slipping into, I've done this, um, in multiple scenarios where I've slipped into past life regressions where I have the trippiest one, actually only a handful of people know this. I've, I haven't shared this publicly or even with a lot of my close friends, I've had quite a few past life regressions that were facilitated by a, by licensed hypnotherapists, counselors, LPCs. Um, but there's only one time in my life where I've had an experience where it was like my timeline and my, who I was embodying, my soul was split and in two places at once. Mm. I've had visions where it's like, okay, I'm Sarah. When you're hypnotized, you're not completely out of your body. You always know that you're there. And so it's like, I'm Sarah and I'm remembering these experiences, but there's only one time where I was simultaneously experiencing both at once. And in this version of me, I was chanting at this spiritual retreat. We were doing like a group ohm. We were chanting a Hindu chant. 
And it was really amazing and beautiful and powerful. And it's like a split screen. Like that half of me was here fully present doing that. And the other half of me was fully present as this ancient um, Buddhist monk. I happened to be a Buddhist monk in that life. And I was looking down and my skin was like darker brown. If you if you've seen a picture of me, you can see that I'm very fair, very white, super blonde, real Scandinavian looking. And um, in this life, I was a male and I was br- like caramel color brown skin that was really smooth. And my hair was completely black and my entire head was shaved except for one little ponytail on the top um, of this long black hair. I've never looked up like where this might be. I just haven't never felt the need to. And I was meditating in this like hut thing, like this little single use meditation tent. And there was this like specific oil lamp that was burning that I'd never seen before. Like I wouldn't even know how to describe it in modern English language. And my meditation instructor came in and was giving me instructions. And so I was like split screen, fully there, full, I could feel my body. I could feel the earth I was sitting on. Like I could see the oil lamp flickering in front of me. It was amazing. Um, So that's probably the trippiest one where I've like literally been in two timelines, two bodies simultaneously. It was crazy. That's awesome. So much fun. Most people probably don't have that kind of weird experience just meditating, but yeah, I think, I I think maybe we shared it with you either when you were working with us or just in, in some conversations, but Emily had this interesting experience while she was meditating that she was doing a meditation with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza and you know he can do some good meditations (laughs) and uh she had this bizarre experience to where all of a sudden her phone heated up like felt like it was going to burst into flames and the volume on the meditation just suddenly went up and basically he wasn't saying it but she was hearing Dr. Joe saying, you are an oracle, you are an oracle, just over and over. And it kept getting louder and louder and louder until finally the phone was like burning her hands and she had to put it down. And then the meditation just cut off. <gasps> She's like, what wow. the hell are you talking about? What is, <laughs> what is you know, She's like looking up oracles, you know, why are they? Yeah. It's so, so strange, but yeah, we can have. I remember some- her telling me that story. And yeah. I mean, even you retelling it now, I'm like, that's, a, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we love to ask the question because we know that some pretty, some pretty wild things can happen during meditation. So I think it's always fun. Yeah. Well, I haven't shared that story with many people. So now all your listeners are getting the insider scoop on meditation history. (laughs) A good one. I like it. All right. Well, last question, and then we will wrap up. Um, We've had you on the show before and you've answered the question before. We will ask it again and then we'll compare notes Um, (laughs) knowing that we're unlimited in our potential. What does it mean to you to maximize your human potential? Oh, this is such, you know, it's a really different question now that my brother has passed, you know, like you asked me that question a year ago and I was kind of in my like normal state of mind. Um, And now what it means to like maximize, again, this is a huge part of my program. It's one of my four core pillars of self-actualization. So maximizing your potential, unlimited potential. What it means for me is that, you know, I've got this real visceral, like tangible sense that 
we are co-creators with this world. I believe that um, there is a spiritual element and there are things that the planet just naturally produces and creates without human intervention at all. We could not be here as a species and the earth would be this beautiful, the universe as a whole would be this beautiful, magnificent thing. And because we are here, we are co-creators and we are contributing to the experience of the universe. I personally believe that, um, and this can take on different forms for different people, but that not only, it's not that I'm separate from spirit or separate from God, but that I myself am an expression of God. And because of that, if you think, and I use the term God loosely here, I'm using it in the version of like spirit or universe. I don't believe in a guy in the sky with a long white beard and a robe and sandals made out of rope. If you do, that's fine. But what I'm saying is like this ever pervasive creative life force that permeates all things. And because I'm an expression of that, I have within me like the seed of an apple that has the potential to be an entire tree lying within it. I have the unlimited potential that, of, of God. I have the potential. If you could say God can create all things, spirit can create all things, the universe, this, this life force can create all things that we see in this physical reality, the entire universe, the stars, the moon, the sky, the furthest reaches of the universe as it expands. I have that same potential within me. You have that same potential within you. Every single person in the nature of our humanity has that potential within us. It's just a matter of tapping into it. The seed of an apple will not grow into a tree unless it is planted in dirt and given sunlight and water. And we have the same tools at our disposal to be the soil from which our divine potential can grow, to feed that inner potential, that inner creative life force with sunlight, with water, with whatever that looks like, with confidence, with courage, with, you know, the beauty of life, we can contribute to that growth. So that's what I see it as. Um, that's kind of my more my personal spiritual take on things. Um, but yeah, it's like, whatever, would you, would you ever doubt that God can create something? Would you ever doubt that spirit could say, well, you've got this spirit has this idea of creating this cool, fantastical, wonderful vision, but spirit can't actually create that. Hell no, look at the stars, look at the universe, look at all the amazing things it did create. We have that within us too. So just like you wouldn't doubt spirit in being able to create something, you also don't have to doubt yourself that you couldn't create something. So yeah. that's my answer this go round. <laughs> we'll compare it. to I what I said it. last time. That is, that is fantastic. Well, and it's, it's true. I mean, yeah, I, I remember one of my favorite things to try and, you know, teach students during Shavasana was like, Shavasana is this, this experience of experiencing the death of your physical body so that you can become connected with the fact that you are of infinite potential and that the same, you know, structure that is you know resides within a star 100 million light years away is the exact same structure that lives within you and right. you're made up of the same thing as stardust you're made up of the same pieces of every tiny star that's ever been and ever will be in the universe that's all who you are so yeah oh i love it yeah i had a private um yoga session with you on the beach in hawaii a few weeks ago and that's what you did during our shavasana's allow my body to completely 
fade away and my consciousness transcend into the ocean and then into the sky. And oh, it was so good. So good to connect with that inner potential. Yeah, so much fun. Well, and, you know, like you said, we all have it within us. So once we learn to tap into that, watch out, world. (laughs) Yeah, come on over to the Art of Authentic Confidence. I'll help you get there. Yes, yes. Do it together. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, be sure to hop on over to theartofauthenticconfidence.com forward slash mentorship. Learn how you can work with Sarah and you can find your inner confidence and begin to create the future that you're destined for. Everybody, we are so, so happy that we have you as an audience and that we're able to share people like Sarah with you and that we're able to share this message that you are all incredibly powerful, limitless beings that are capable of so, so much more than we all give ourselves credit for. So we thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What what an honor. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> so everybody, leave us a comment. Let us know what takeaways you had from this episode. We always love to hear. And if you if you happen to leave a review and leave us some questions, we're always happy to answer those and, and keep it. Make up. it a nice one. Don't leave a nasty review. <laughs> hey, we're okay. We're fine. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Been there, done that. You can hate on us all you want. We don't care. <laughs> There's so many people out there who love us. <laughs> So good. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Have an amazing rest of your day. Um, Yeah. And thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share it with the people you love most. And if you want to learn more about how you can rewire your mind to unlock your unlimited potential, then check out the Ultimate Up Level, our results-based intensive coaching program for driven entrepreneurs ready for the Ultimate Up Level. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Heavily Meditated Podcast.